Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined, as I am twice weekly, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. And we are here a night early bringing your recap of the Alabama Ole Miss game a little bit sooner than normal. We typically do that on Sunday night, but we're coming at you uh, late Saturday night with this particular podcast, the Twitter feed for Talking Tide, Talking underscore Tide. You can get us on all sorts of apps as well. Subscribe to the Talking Tide YouTube channel as well. want to thank our sponsors, Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and of course, DraftKings. We'll have more on those sponsors a little bit later in the program. Travis, uh, taking a look back now at this Alabama win, 42-21, the final score at home. A game uh, came with high anticipation. The air went out of it relatively quickly. Alabama running out to a, a strong first-half lead, as we've seen them do many times before. And and uh, you, you got to love Lane Kiffin telling everybody to get their popcorn ready before the kick. I wanted Lane Kiffin to come back with get your popcorn at halftime too, but he, he was a little more melancholy <laughs> at the half, Travis. Yeah, you know, uh, Lane was a little more subdued coming off the field there at the end of the half than he was uh, early. Lane always makes things interesting. It's one thing you can say about Lane Kiffin. And, yeah, Lane told us all to get the, the popcorn ready, and then Lane went out there for the first time in 14 games as the head coach of Ole Miss and – didn't produce 300 yards of total offense. You know, before Saturday, in his 13 previous games at Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin had never had an offense held below 400 yards of total offense. Didn't get to three after he told us to get that popcorn ready, good bread. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, not a pretty outing for Ole Miss's offense whatsoever, at least not by Lane Kiffin's standards. Uh, some big defensive plays. Really, the story of the game, Travis, the fourth down attempts by Lane Kiffin. He goes two for five in the game, if I'm not mistaken, on All fourth down. All in the first down. half. Yeah. All in the first half, yeah. And, and look – I'm kind of a by-the-book guy when it comes to that sort of thing. However, Travis, I was with Lane on most of these. Yeah. I was with I, I was with him on all three of the first uh, first drive. He, he went for it on fourth down, I guess, three times on his first drive. Yeah, uh, made it a, a couple times. First two then times. They, yeah. They, then they get stuffed by Tim Smith. Tim Smith's play right there ended up being the CBS play of the game. You don't see that mm -hmm. much from a defensive tackle. Uh, but that was huge, obviously, Travis, because that came at a point where who knows what was going to happen in the game from that point. Uh, but And then he really doubles down later in the half, going for a fourth down from his own 31 and doesn't get it. And that's where he lost me, right? I, I was with him for the first, you know, three or four, but but – down 14 nothing from your own 31 no no well he said get your popcorn ready you're gonna <laughs> yeah. get your popcorn ready and then he's gonna punt good bread <laughs> if you're gonna tell the whole damn nation get your popcorn ready yeah then you gotta go for these fourth downs and really this is the program that lane is selling this is that's that first half those five fourth down attempts chase this is what lane is this is what he's selling to recruits come here man we're going to throw caution to the wind. We're going to have fun. We're going to take chances. Well, 
maybe sometimes Lane paints himself into a little bit of a corner. I think you're right. Uh, he definitely painted himself into a corner by uh, turning it over on downs three times the way he did. Um, another big defensive play in the game, too, Travis. Fedarian Mathis with the strip, strip sack, sack of, of Matt Corral. The ball gets scooped up by Justin Aboibe. Uh That one turned things in a big way as well. It really did, uh, and it sent that game to – 28 to nothing at the half. And the big problem for Lane and why Lane had to stay aggressive there, even in the latter, latter stage of the second quarter, he knew Alabama was getting the ball coming out. So 21 nothing. He's got to try. He knows he's got to try to go get something in the final two and a half minutes of that half. And as a result, he ends up down 28 to nothing with Alabama getting the ball coming out. How big was it, in your opinion? that Alabama was able to counter, I say counter, they ended up getting the turnover on downs, but after the opening drive for Ole Miss goes 16 plays, eats up a ton of clock, Alabama comes right back, goes 94 yards on 13 plays, mm -hmm. ate a bunch of clock of their own. They pretty much ate up the, the whole first quarter with those two possessions, one each. Uh, for me, Travis, my thought at that point was, you know what? If, if Alabama had hit two big pass plays to, to score the same seven points mm -hmm. right there, and then you throw the defense right back out on the field, not only being a little bit gassed, even at the, from the start of the game, I don't, I don't care if it's the start of the game, 16 plays is 16 plays. They go right back out there. They're at least a little gassed out of the gate. And on top of that, how much coaching can you get on one of those you know, super quick touchdown drives, right? At 13 plays, uh, allowed them to get coached up on defense as well. I thought that was big. Yeah, 16-play drive for Ole Miss. So even though Ole Miss is stuffed eventually on the third, fourth down of that drive, you're thinking Alabama better get at least a couple of first downs here and run some clock just for the big picture sake of the defense, even if the defense would have been fine at that point in the game from a fatigue and stamina standpoint, if you throw them right back out there and they get hit for another seven, eight play drive and go right. down seven to nothing, now you're dealing with not only some maybe physical issues, big picture, but psyche as well, because it's almost like a carryover from Florida two weeks earlier, where you certainly were on the ropes at the end of that game. So no, that drive was huge, not only because it got Alabama on the board first, uh, but absolutely, given the defense a, a break there, six-and-a-half-minute break, and you kind of are able to settle in after that. I think after that 16-play drive, Ole Miss the rest of the game just 47 plays. So 63 snaps for Ole Miss compared to 86 last October. That's That's a quarter's worth right there. No doubt. Uh, Brian Robinson, a big game for him for sure. Of course, he sat out last week uh, nursing those ribs. Didn't look like anything was bothering him today. Travis, 36 carries, 171 yards, four touchdowns. Kind of shades of Derrick Henry with 36 carries, right? I mean, that's a big load for one back at Alabama. I wrote in my post-game piece for BamaOnline.com what you just said. It was like it was like it was Derrick Henry Appreciation Day at Bryant-Denny Stadium with all those carries and that workhorse performance and 
almost like a Derrick Henry cover band, Brian Robinson, playing all the hits yeah. uh, for Derrick Henry from back in the day. Hell of a performance, unfortunately, at least some of it due to the injury to Jason McClellan there in the third quarter that I know we'll get into because that's obviously significant. And hearing Nick Saban postgame didn't sound promising for Jason McClellan for the foreseeable future. And as we've talked about in the past, you look at Alabama's running back situation a lot of years, you go, man, they got five or six backs. How are they going to keep all these guys healthy? Then you get to week five and they got three scholarship healthy backs. So uh, it was bittersweet. Um, And even – Brian is nicked up a little bit. You can still tell coming off the ribs from a couple weeks ago. He's gimping around a little bit out there on Saturday. So Trey Sanders, Roydell Williams, ready or not, they're going to have to be able to give them something beginning next week at Texas A&M. Yeah, Williams got in there a little bit, I think, in the second half. Robinson's night, though, for sure, or day, I should say. Alabama for the game in total, 50 rushes, 210 yards. And it was clear from the jump that Ole Miss was not going to have much luck stopping Alabama between the tackles. They like to run those six DBs out there a lot. We, we saw a lot of that six DB look, I think, Travis, uh, from the Rebels. And, you know, that's going to – and, look, I know you can walk up safeties and whatnot. That's fine. But when, when you're only playing with five big bodies, I don't care how many – you can walk up all the safeties you want. Yeah, you're, you're, you're light. You're, you're, you're still Exactly. Light. You're still light in terms of personnel. Um, and really, the two teams in the SEC that we talk about the most in taking that approach, Arkansas and Ole Miss, what happened to them in both their games, in both those games against superior personnel, big, big people, both Arkansas and Ole Miss got mashed by the running game. No doubt about it. Uh, Jace McClellan, you mentioned him going down. Doesn't look like – uh, he's going to be back anytime soon. No official word on his injury. Uh, but do you expect Roydell Williams to to kind of jump in and be the two-man, or do you think it's more of a committee picture next week? That's going to be interesting. It is, you know, and I think you're even to the point with Wheaton out to go along with McClellan. You might have to consider some cross-training of some guys at some other positions, maybe some wide receivers that, in a pinch, and just in case you have to, you know, go with another guy or you need help at the position. So, uh, yeah, I would think it comes down to to Williams or Trey Sanders, obviously, at this point. Saban said after the game on Saturday that stuck with Brian Robinson in part because he was the hot guy. Uh, it could be that way with the, the two backups, you know, that we've seen that in the past, maybe more in that 2-3 role you know, that second or third back can be almost a week-to-week thing. And also, how much you trust one or both of these guys off the ball where pass protection is concerned. Both have put the ball on the field this year with fumbles. So, you know, they've got some proving to do here in the next few days. Defensively for Alabama, big day again for Will Anderson, the Crimson Tide's top pass rusher, notches a sack, two-and-a-half tackles for loss. He got a little bit dinged, too, though, it looked like, Travis. I don't think he was 100% by the time that game closed down. And, of course, he had a little bit of a ding, I think, on his knee a couple weeks back. So you wonder with him, even though he may not be technically injured, you wonder about the accumu- the season accumulation of, of, of dings with, with Anderson. At it's this almost point. like Brian Robinson at running back at this point now. 
you know, and the workload and, and also how both those guys play the game. I mean, both have no problem with the physical aspect of it. As dynamic as Will is, I think a lot of people that don't really watch him play by play week to week probably think he's the prototypical edge rusher, a speed guy and wins with speed and, you know, isn't so much about power and maybe always checking in against the run. He absolutely does all those things. So nine more tackles for Will Anderson from the outside linebacker position. That's a lot for an outside linebacker on Saturday. And then a couple and a half more tackles for loss. So uh, just continues to be just an incredibly dominant force. And absolutely, they've got some talented young guys. Drew Sanders is playing at a high level at the other side. Uh, Played well once again on Saturday, but you know, you start getting into Chris Braswell and some of the other guys, you start getting down the depth chart kind of like you do at running back. And there's a, there's a good bit of uncertainty once you start doing that. Offensive line for the Crimson Tide, obviously a big day for those guys paving the way up front, a lot of big holes. Uh, and not only that, but Bryce Young had a ton of time to throw the football. So uh, really a dominant effort for sure. I think for Alabama's offensive line and, you know, Kendall Randolph, I thought, looked really good at that tight end spot, mm-hmm. Travis Block. He could collapse things on the edge when it, when he gets his man and, and, and moves him. Kind of reminded me a little bit. He looked a little Sean Draper-like to me. Just, Going way just, back. Just yeah. Go, yeah, just collapsing on guys. He's, he's found a role there. I think it's fair to say at this point that for whatever reason, he's a more effective blocker at tight end than he would have been at right tackle. You know, and I think, though, it's kind of almost interchangeable, but they're better with Kendall Randolph in that tight end role than they would be with him at right tackle and not having him. You know what I'm saying? If that makes any sense. They're, They're better with Chris Owens at right tackle and Randolph being pretty much a guy who's going to play 30, 40 snaps a game anyway, 30 snaps a game at that tight end position. And when they came out, they came out, I think, in that heavy 12 personnel. And they were backed up. But I think the plan all week was they were going to go 12 personnel a good bit with the two tight ends. And Kendall Randolph was going to be one of those two to go along with Cameron Latou. And Jalil Billingsley in the passing game did his thing again on Saturday. So it, it worked out perfectly you know, Cam Latou now has nine catches on the season, by the way, five are for touchdowns after his touchdown catch Saturday. So he's got the uh, he's got the ratio working pretty good. Between Latou and Billingsley and Randolph, obviously they do different things, but but the three of them, uh, even though they play different roles, Alabama's loaded at tight end at this point. Get they get everything they could possibly hope for out of the position out of at least one of the three. Yeah, Robbie Oots, the true freshman, you're seeing line up in the backfield, uh, and, and he's doing some good things in more short yardage goal line situations. So, uh, you know, Major Tennyson's been out, he's been injured, uh, but you haven't really noticed all that much because they do have depth there and they have guys that fit specific roles really nicely. Yeah, no doubt about it. Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network, the Twitter feed, talking underscore Tide. Chase Goodbread and Travis Ryer with you looking at that Alabama Ole Miss game. We're going to thank a couple of sponsors for the program here, starting with North River Dental Associates. Former Alabama linebacker Jack Smalley can tackle every sort of dental need you might have with a well-trained staff of dental hygienists. North River Dental can handle porcelain veneers, pediatric dentistry, the laser dentistry, 
the teeth whitening services, which are always popular, Botox and Juvederm as well to tighten up those facial features. Find them over at 1100 Fairfax Park. It's conveniently located right off of Watermelon Road on a routine cleaning. Dr. Jack is going to get you in and out of there typically in under an hour. For an appointment, give them a call at 752-3506 or visit NorthRiverDentist.com. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier, the chocolate champs, the champions of chocolate. Out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. There you see them, those hand-dipped, hand-dipped chocolate strawberries that you're going to find there at Peter Brook Chocolatier, the signature chocolate-covered popcorn, of course, and the Alabama-themed chocolate goodies as well. Maybe that script day, a little Roll Tide. They also have those full-size chocolate footballs this time of year. And you ask, well, what do they inflate those footballs with? Well, they are inflated, Chase, with that chocolate-covered popcorn. So you get uh, essentially a regulation-sized chocolate football, and then on the inside, you crack that baby open. You're going to have that chocolate-covered popcorn. So twice the treat. You're going to find all that and more at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. I wonder what we could do in a pump, pass, and kick competition with one yeah. of those chocolate, or at least with the toss, right? Yeah. Can, we, can, we, can we fire that, you think you that, can fire that thing 25 yards? That inflation uh, is Tom Brady approved. He even approves of how those footballs are inflated. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we want to thank DraftKings, our corporate sponsor. Hey, another week of football is in the books time to get ready for next week with DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NFL so to kick off another action packed week DraftKings has given new customers $150 instantly when they bet just $1 on any football game the key is to use that promo code TPPN if you're a YouTube subscriber you see it right there on your screen the pigskin podcast network acronym TPPN is your promo code. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that TPPN promo code and get your $150 in free bets when you place just a $1 bet on any game. It's just a $5 minimum deposit as well, by the way. So the man is really reeling him in, with Travis, with that one uh, over at DraftKings yeah. Sportsbook. Again, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. So there you have that. And uh, speaking of the man, Travis, uh, I think a lot of heavy chalk went down in the SEC this week for sure. Uh, And as we record the podcast here on a Saturday night, there's a little bit of action in the SEC that's not even quite in the books yet. However, uh, a couple games are for sure. Georgia just rolls over Arkansas. You and I kind of called that, I think, in the midweek podcast. Yeah. Arkansas just did not have it over in Athens. Kentucky knocks off Florida in Lexington 20 to 13. Travis, I'm getting daughter reports. Uh, My middle middle child, a UK student of uh, absolute mayhem in the streets up in Lexington over that one. Well, is it that or are they fired up about the opening of Keenan, Keenan, the racing (laughs) up there? In the bluegrass. Yep. Hey, look, Mark Stoops got to carry the load up there. Cal's not making NCAA tournaments, you know, so uh, good on Mark Stoops. That was a Mark Stoops special, that game. That was the perfect Mark Stoops game. And you know, give him a lot of credit. 
you know, and you wondered if Florida would be able to continue to improve after that moral victory over Alabama a couple Saturdays ago. That's a tough, tough trip up to Lexington. And, uh, but you can't lose that game if you're Florida. You know, 15 you penalties it. on the Gators, Travis. 15 penalties, eight of them false starts. What in the world? How do you the crowd start noise eight up there. times? The crowd noise up there at the grocery store what? known as Kroger Field. Did they play yeah. in Rupp Arena or something? Yeah, they played on aisle five at Kroger Field <laughs> in the frozen foods department. It gets loud in there with those with those freezers you know, mean, at Kroger. If you false start eight times in Lexington, would you have done it 20 times at LSU? And I think, though, with all that being said, Florida down seven, still had nine shots in goal-to-goal situations at the end of the game. Could not get in the end zone. Boy, the Florida fans... If Anthony Richardson truly is 100% ready to go and available, and I thought Emory Jones, to be fair, after he threw the awful pick there in the second half, yeah. I thought he bounced back pretty nicely and at least gave his team a chance. But the bottom line is they couldn't get in the end zone enough. And so, uh, you know, the Wolves are out in uh, Gainesville. Could not get in the end zone. I think Kentucky only attempted like, 13 or 14 passes, something yeah. like Trav. Uh, and Levis only for about 70 yards. So, mm-hmm. wow. Christian uh, Rodriguez, though, man, you get it into that kind of game with my guy at running back, he'll turn it into a four-quarter, four-minute drill. And that's not the place you want to be with Stoops and his defensive background and then being totally comfortable with riding Christian uh, Rodriguez. And Wondell Robinson gave him an explosive play, too, that – you know, they don't get enough of in the passing game. That dude's got a little Jalen Waddle to him, the Nebraska transfer. Big game for the Cats, no doubt about it. Finally, Mississippi State, Travis, <laughs> taking care of business against Texas A&M. That final score, 26-22. to 22. That one was pretty tight late as well. Uh, but the, the Pirate getting it done on the road. Jimbo incurs his second loss of the season. Speaking of heat being turned up, oh. uh, at, your, at your $75 million coach dropping his... Just got a raise. Got yeah. A, yeah, he got another raise. He got a raise and had no... had no, You know, didn't have leverage. And A&M yeah. threw him a raise before I'm talking season. about the old deal, I guess. Oh, yeah, the old deal was 75. <laughs> I don't... The new one, I guess, is like 90 or something. Who knows? But, yeah, that... How about the CBS folks right now with Alabama, Texas A&M primetime next Saturday? And yep. A&M losing back-to-back to Arkansas and Mississippi State. That's, uh, you know, Nick Saban coined rat poison in College Station. He may have to use it talking this week about not overlooking Texas A&M. He may have to talk rat poison in relation to Texas A&M, who we thought was going to give us a top-10 matchup next Saturday night. Good, bread. How hard was the ticket man rooting for A&M oh, tonight? jeez. Ticket man is... In, inconsolable right now. Did no, not like that outcome. There's nothing you can do for the for the college station ticket, man. Maybe Garth Brooks is coming to town, you know, yeah. in the next couple of months or something. He can rebound. Maybe George Strait, you know, something like that. Get the boys fired up. I was thumbs. We're out of here in just a second, but real quick, you and I are Sopranos guys, Travis. I'm thumbs up on the mini Saints. I haven't seen it. it. Came up. Okay, I won't haven't spoil it, it yet. Yeah, but I, I knew you were going to theater it, and that's what went, I want to do. I want to theater the thing. Went to the theater. I won't spoil a thing. It, it, it was. Did you I get your it popcorn ready? Did you get your popcorn ready? 
went to one of those dining theaters actually where they actually bring your popcorn straight now yeah yeah they got it it's just like football games they got to do that stuff at theaters now because you'll just stay home yeah they got to do that stuff no doubt no doubt but uh yeah dicky multisante he was he was a rabble rouser (laughs) he was something that one All right, that's going to do it, folks, for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. Be sure to join us midweek when we break down Alabama's upcoming game against Texas A&M. We'll talk to you then here on Talking Tide.